today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Most of them simply take what they can get at the point in time and they don't come back. Most people only have time for God when there's a major need in their lives. In the midst of conflict or terror, the cry comes out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Many times without even a full surrender of their life into his hands, and yet, you know what? For some reason, God still takes care of them. God still gives them mercy. Today, Pastor David will teach about Jesus' encounter with the 10 lepers and their desperate call for mercy. Leprosy truly is a terrible disease that affects not only the person's body, but also impacts tremendously their social life. In that challenging situation, we see their urgency for Jesus to take care of their immediate need. However, Jesus wants to bless them fully. And since they didn't come back to thank him after they got what they wanted, only the one who returned to Jesus was completely restored. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, A Heart of Faith. The words are pretty familiar, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But how much do we really know and understand about grace? We think, well, it's grace that saved me. And that's the absolute truth, but there's much, much more to grace than just saving grace. Just the, as big as that is, as huge as that is, there's much, much more. This morning we are continuing on in our study in the Gospel of Luke, but we're not going to start in Luke 17 yet, okay? I want to take you, first of all, to the opening uh, words in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 1. Paul makes some very powerful statements that I I want to share with you this morning. In Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, Paul says, "'For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ.'" For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it's written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. 
but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. There's a lot of issues that Paul's covering right there. A lot of things that really we need to ponder, we need to understand this morning, not only just for this morning's teaching, but actually within our own Christian lives. One of the things that he speaks of is the salvation of God is available to all men, but with this one caveat, they've got to believe. It's available to all men. Paul declares that over and over again, but they have to believe. The second thing that we see there, he speaks about the righteousness and the wrath of God as well as the creative force, that eternal power of God. Our God is an awesome God. He's mighty, he's powerful. He's over all things. He controls all things. And that's one of the understandings that you and I have to continually maintain consciousness of. God is in control. Even though when the world is moving like mad, even when it's out of absolute, you know, we, we look around and we think, whoa, God is still in control. We need to understand that. That helps us in having peace in the midst of the storm. Another thing that he speaks of here, Paul speaks very strongly about the importance of faith, reminding us of the words of that Old Testament prophet Habakkuk, that the just shall live by their works. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the just shall live what? By faith. By faith. The importance of faith in the believer's life. Paul clearly declares again the, the revelation of God that's been made to all of humanity. All of humanity. Jew and Gentile. So there's really none that have an excuse. We just don't have an excuse. However, really and truly, the most damning words that Paul gives us are found in the last verse of what we just shared, there in verse 21. In verse 21, Paul declares that although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's an amazing thing to think that they could know the truth about God and yet ignore it. That man can be touched by the eternal power of God and yet walk away from it. That we can be recipients of the very grace of God in our life and yet not be thankful for it at all. You and I need to realize all of those things, all of those attitudes there, the ignoring of the truth of God, the, the walking away from the power of God, not being thankful for the grace of God, all of those things work actually against us to seal our eternal fate. If we ignore, if we walk away, if we deny the truth of who God is, our eternal fate is sealed. And it's away from the presence of Almighty God. This morning, we're going to continue on. As I shared, we're in the book of Luke. We're in the 17th chapter. And as we look there, we read how Jesus reveals himself in a mighty and a powerful way to 10 men. To 10 men. He bestows his undeserved, his healing grace on all 10 of these men. And yet only one of them returns with any kind of a heart of thanksgiving. And according to what we're going to read here, although God reveals himself to all men, just as he does to these 10 men, nine of them did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. Only one of these men out of the 10 became 
completely whole. All of them were healed, but only one became completely whole. Look with me, if you would, in Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. Now it happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village there, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And so it was that as they went, what happened to them, church? They were cleansed. And one of them, verse 15 tells us, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice, he glorified God. He fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Oh, and by the way, he was a Samaritan. That'll come into play a little bit later in the story. Verse 17, so Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 that were cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to the man, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. These are important words for us to be able to consider, to ponder on today as we look at this passage. When you take a quick look at this event in the life of Jesus, you might consider it simply another healing, another work of the master's hand, another miracle that's brought on by the power of God through the ministry of Jesus. And all that's true. Every bit of that is true, but there's so much more. These men, these 10 men had in essence, they had a life sentence posted against them. They had leprosy. And for the most part, during that time, there, there was no healing for leprosy. There was no real cure. The disease of leprosy, it's, it's been a plague on humanity for as, for as long as we know. In times of both the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were several different skin diseases that were classified as leprosy, including our modern, what's called Hansen's disease. According to the Center for Disease Control, a study that they did back in April of 2013, even today, right now, around the world, there are over 2 million people that still suffer from leprosy. The disease impacts every aspect of an individual's life. It impacts their, their physical well-being, their emotional well-being, and definitely their social life because of all that it does within them. The symptoms of leprosy yeah, they primarily affect the skin, but they also affect the nerves and they affect even the mucous membranes of the individual. Because it affects the nerves, the loss of feeling and sensation can occur in an individual's life. And, and such as that, because the nerves are in, you know, affected in such a way, great injuries can happen and they don't even know it. They can burn their hands and not even realize it. They can have cuts on their feet or their legs. They, they don't even realize it. For multiple reasons, the fingers and the toes, as well as whole limbs can become deformed and actually eventually fall off. The skin can just literally rot away. It's, it's an absolute wretched disease. According to Jewish law, those that suffered from the disease, they were cast out. No, you're not going to stay in the village. You've got to go live in the leper's village. 
No, you can't stay at your home. You've got to go and live elsewhere. Go and live with the other lepers. Oh no, you can't come to church or come to temple as the case may be. You can't come here. You've got to stay out there. It was so, again, impactful within their lives in every aspect, in every way. According to Leviticus 13 and 14, there was a whole process that an individual had to go through once and if they were ever healed of leprosy. But again, According to the biblical record, the few that were healed, it was because of a a direct miracle of God in their life. We think of Naaman, we think of Miriam, Moses' sister, a few others. And then in the New Testament, there were others that were cured of that disease, but because of a miracle of God in their life. Leprosy became a very, very clear picture of the effects of sin. The effects of sin not only in an individual's life, but the effects of sin actually for a whole nation's life. It was the prophet Isaiah describing that whole spiritual condition of Israel. He speaks with similar symptoms of leprosy. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 4 and through 6, he says, Alas, you sinful nation, you're a people laden with iniquity. You're a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. He was speaking of Israel, not the United States. Uh, <laughs> although, okay, never mind. We won't get political this morning. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. And in verse 5, he declares, why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there's no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They've not been closed or bound up or soothed with any ointment. See, the consequences of leprosy are very much like sin, or you might say the consequences of sin are very much like leprosy. It's more than just a skin disease. It impacts the very core of the individual's being. It can't be treated with just surface measures. It can't be fixed on the outside. It has to be fixed from the inside. And it defiles, it isolates the person. They're they're unable to reach not only their full potential, but it breaks fellowship between them and man and God. Jude tells us in verse 23 that even the garments are defiled by the flesh. Well, here in Luke 17, as we're looking, we find these 10 men, uh, because of this disease, they've been cast away from their communities, cast away from their families and their friends. We have a mixture, apparently, of both Jew and Samaritan here. We don't know if there was more than one Samaritan, but we do know there was at least one Samaritan, and we know that there were others that were Jewish. Very interesting to note how in the midst of their own suffering, the the isolation from the things of God, these men had formed alliances with those that they would never form an alliance with in the normal course of things. You had Jews and Samaritans coming together. That didn't happen normally. A Samaritan would avoid a Jew, and a Jew would avoid a Samaritan. But because of, again, the devastation that was going on within their lives, they formed this alliance, this coming together. Because of the leprosy, they stood afar off from the rest of society, and yet that very same leprosy drew those ten together. And the scripture tells us that they stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, 
Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When these 10 men lifted up their voices, we really don't know the extent of their understanding of who Jesus was. Their declaration really doesn't help us any. The title they use, Jesus Master, doesn't even help us. It simply reflects the fact that they knew who he was. And that might have been somebody said, oh, this, look, here comes Jesus, the one that's healed so many. Maybe that was the case. Maybe they had no clue who he was. We really don't know according to this story, according to the dialogue that we have. They used a title, and, and yet that title of master, epistates, it, it could have just as easily meant sir or commander or master or lord with a lowercase l. You know, kind of, excuse me, sir, excuse me, mister, mister. That kind of an idea. They, they weren't really saying, you are master, you are lord. No, that's not what they were saying. They were just simply calling him in a manner that would be polite to society at that point in time. Simply a title of respect. There's no doubt that the very presence of Jesus, that he commanded that kind of respect as he was followed by a crowd of, of disciples and other onlookers. It could have been that they just simply recognized him as a teacher or a rabbi. But I don't believe they recognized him as savior at all, according to what we see here. And even their cry, Lord, have, have mercy on us. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. That doesn't help. No doubt they were looking for some kind of a merciful act, but that could have been everything from financial assistance to food to a request for new clothes. Hey, you know, we're, we're not able to work. We're, you know, we're, we don't have much there. Hey, could you help us a little bit? Could you get us some lunch? Uh, could you slip us five bucks so we can go get something, uh, you know, to eat? Or, you know, hey, our clothes are worn out. Could we, we need some new clothes here. We really don't know what they're asking for other than mercy. Similar kind of a situation that we see even today. People continually, they flow through the doors here of the church throughout the week. People who very seldom darken the doors of the church for worship or for encouragement in the things of the Lord. No, they come in because there's a major need within their life. And they understand that churches are called to do acts of mercy and charitable assistance in some way. They're not looking for a move of God in their life. They simply want their current discomfort taken care of. As we see in this very same event, Jesus knows there's a greater need within their lives. And yet he's willing to meet them where they are, at least for the moment. What does the word say? He directs them at that point in time, go and show yourself to the priests. It's interesting that he didn't heal them right then. He could have just spoken right then and say, be healed. And the whole situation would be done. No, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Perhaps some went to find a Jewish priest. Others were going off in the other direction to find a Samaritan priest because a Samaritan's not gonna go to a Jewish priest and a Jew's not gonna go to a Samaritan priest. So perhaps they went different ways at that point in time. Luke very plainly tells us that, again, that so as they went, they were cleansed. When they moved in obedience to the Lord's directive, they received the fullness of the Lord's blessing. They received their healing. They were all healed of that devastating disease of leprosy. And you would have thought at that point in time, all 10 of them, they would have recognized their situation. Wow, I'm healed and run back to this man, whoever he was, and say, oh, thank you so much. 
Something supernatural had taken place in their life. At one point in time, they're castaways and now they're welcomed and they're received. At one point in time, they were literally dead to society and now they were alive again. They were able to walk among family and friends and their community. You would have thought they would have all had a gratitude of heart. But once again, Luke's very clear as he gives us the results. In verse 15, he tells us that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. And oh, by the way, he was a Samaritan. Only one came back to give glory to God, while all the others, they still received, you need to understand this, all of them received the blessings of God. But only one came back. As far as we know, these other nine never did give God the glory that was due his name. I'd love to say that that's a strange, it's an odd or rare occurrence, but the fact is just the opposite's true. The average of returns that we see of those that, that we minister to, that come through the doors, that have physical needs that we minister to, even here where it looks like, okay, only 10% came back, I think in the real world it's probably even less than that. All too often, we see the individual come back again, but not because they want to worship the Lord. They come back because they found out, this is where I can get some help. They come back for more assistance. Rather than recognizing the fact that it's the work and it's the hand and it's the mercy of God that's allowed them to be able to get through that situation in their life, all too often, they continue on their way without any change and definitely without the giving of thanks for his mercy and for his provision. Pastor Robert is the one that deals with most of these as they come through our door. He'll speak to them at length. He'll find out about their spiritual condition. He'll share the word of God with him. He'll pray with him. He'll encourage them in the spirit and all the time they're just waiting, just waiting. Not all of them. I don't want to be so negative, but the fact is that so many is, happens just like it happens here in Luke chapter 17. Most of them simply take what they can get at the point in time, and they don't come back. Most people only have time for God when there's a major need in their lives. In the midst of conflict or terror, the cry comes out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Many times without even a full surrender of their life into his hands, and yet, you know what? For some reason, God still takes care of them. God still gives them mercy. Even without them recognizing who he is, without them surrendering to who he is. This man here, here in Luke, Jesus saw a difference, even though he was a Samaritan. It's in the fact that what we see here in this man that we were reminded that God's not a respecter of persons. He's willing to save to the uttermost those who would call upon his name. As this man with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks Jesus recognized that this man's heart was changed. The man's gratitude for the recognition of the work of God in his life, it was overwhelmingly apparent. And then in verse 17, Jesus answered and said, wait a minute, weren't there 10 that were cleansed? Where's the other nine?
can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliché, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what He did do when He was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. small